uh, last week I started talking about um, how much power the words we speak carry. I call that the fact that, you know, if we are created in the image and the likeness of God and God's word is powerful, carries power, then we as the offsprings of God, our words cannot be insignificant. If we, we as offspring, if we are offsprings of God, children of God, our words cannot be insignificant. And it's interesting, Jesus said, he said in the book of, uh, I'm trying to remember now, uh, he, said the, he said, the works that I do shall you also do. Greater works than this shall you do. Is that John 14? Greater works than this shall you do because I go to my Father. If you look at the words, the works of Jesus, uh, did, did you notice that most of the works he did, he did them by speaking the word? He did them by speaking. Now, it's interesting, the book of John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He said, the, the word was made flesh, and he dwelt amongst us, talking about Jesus, the word of God. Right, and Jesus, who is the word of God? Everything on earth was created by speaking something, speaking a word. The Bible tells us, Genesis 1, uh, God said, let there be light and there was light. So the light you see today, the reason why you, you have day and night is because God spoke those things into existence. And you are children of God. You have been commissioned, if you're a child of God, if you're a Christian watching me, born again, I mean, originally born again, like because you give your life to Christ, not because you were sprinkled with water when you were born. We get into that. If you want to, if you want, so I like to gist when it comes to uh, Bible stuff, right? So if you want like us, if you would like us to have some gist, I'm going to book you in my diary. Maybe in, in the next two or three months, I might be able to find a slot for you, right? Like in just a kid. <laughs> so the church family are used to this. So if you if you come to be part of a Transformers Church, you're just going to be laughing. And uh, while we are serious and laughing, you know, I've been in. I've been in religious circles all my life, and um, God was very difficult to relate with, right? And I'm gonna—I'm not gonna reproduce that. Now, people must be able to flow with God, laugh with God, and have fun, right? Fantastic. So, uh, let's just pray by faith. I might be able to book you, my diary, for us to have that gist. So, what am I trying to say? The words you speak carry power. You are a child of God. The works that Jesus did, most of them, he did them by speaking. And as he spoke the word, things happened. And now you as a child of God have been commissioned to do the works of Jesus and even greater works. And how do you think you're going to do it? Uh, not, because, not by your sacrificial giving or by your kingdom service. Or something. So when I talk about kingdom service, it's about serving your local church, doing something for God. And which many church believe that is when you serve God by serving in their church, doing something or the other, that qualifies you for blessing. No, 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 no. How Jesus commanded, how Jesus, I mean, brought to being the power of God in many instances by speaking. How do you become born again? The Bible says you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, then you will be saved. I can go on and on trying to help us to see how powerful the words we speak are. So it's either you're speaking the words of Jesus, which carry life. John 6, 63, he said, the word I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. Or you're speaking the words of death. Now, let me say this to you. Whosoever's word you're speaking will activate the power of that person. Yeah. Whosoever's words you are speaking determine what power finds expression in your life. If you speak the words of Jesus, you find the power of Jesus express things in your life and you would definitely not see death.
But if you speak the word of the enemy, what do you think you're going to get? It comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I was sharing with the church family this morning that condemnation came after the fall. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 5 that when sin came into the world, sin produced condemnation in people. So if you are condemning yourself, you are seeing yourself as not good enough because somebody said that to you or your parents said that to you. Do you know what you're saying? You're saying you're speaking, you're speaking death into your life. And what do you get? Condemnation, inability. You know what condemnation means? It means uh, unfit for use. Unfit for use. So if you are saying that you are not fit for God's purpose, I don't know who told you that because I don't think God creates anything bad or useless. I get to me. I don't think God creates anything insignificant, anything useless. God is a purposeful God. Now, there's something about how special about the creation of God. Now, you are so special that there's nothing in the world that could redeem you from the power, from could redeem you or restore you to the Father. Somebody had to come and die for you. So it was an exchange of life. That's how valuable your life is. So if your life is that valuable to God, and you are now saying you are good for nothing, uh, I think you should not allow God to hear that. Amen. You get that just right because he hears everything you say. Come on. Amen. So, let's carry on. You know, I shared this um, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 with us last week, uh, where the Bible says uh, that the power... Um, okay, let me, let me read the two versions I shared with us. The easy-to-read version and the, the passion... TPT, the, the Passion Translation. Amen. The Passion Translation. Hallelujah. God is good. Right. So let's look at the Passion Translation. It says, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. Your words are so powerful. I didn't write the Bible. I, I started with Jesus in case you say you are thinking of Proverbs. That's Old Testament. Said that your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life, and the talkative person will reap the consequences. That's why we don't talk too much. We try not to talk too much. We should be purposeful in our talking. Think before you speak. The Bible says we should be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Everybody is just talking, the media is just talking. And we, we, because we don't understand the power of words, and we just talk anyhow. But the Bible says there's power, there's, there's life or death in the words we speak. So if you can quantify or you can see the measure of power that words carry, you'll be cautious of what you say. My wife and I were speaking last week Wednesday. We said, if you even, even if you want to crack jokes about yourself, don't, say, don't share jokes of death of condemnation because what you say is what you get now someone may say you know what i'm joking i'm joking right so if you joke negatively about yourself for so long your subconscious mind will accept it as true and you start acting it out right some people somebody's thinking thinking now that are you saying when i say i am dumb i'm uh, i'm not joking and okay, ask yourself, okay, occasionally don't you see yourself as dumb? And you do dumb things. I get to me. I don't allow people to joke to 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 do silly jokes with me because words carry power. I've seen people whom people were joking with, but the words spoken to them hit some part of their heart and it started shaping how they see themselves. 
but the other party was joking. So if you understand how powerful words are, then you mind the kind of company you keep. Who you talk to. Words are powerful. In the last week I talked about, you know, if words have ever made you uncomfortable, got you uh, excited to do something stupid, you know, got you depressed, got you sad. Words are powerful, friends. Amen. So uh, the easy to read version says, the tongue can speak words that bring life or death. There's no in-between. There's no life-like or death-like. It is either life or death. Right. So those who love to talk must be ready to accept what it brings. I want to take things for them a little bit further today because most of the times we, we tackle the words we speak, but we don't tackle the source of the words we speak. Amen. Now, uh, before I go into the source or the, the dam or the, the storage facility of where most words we speak come from, I think I should really talk about some things I didn't finish last week. So I talked about the fact that uh, one of the things I have in my notes are the songs you listen to, not just secular songs, even Christian songs. Now we hear songs like, Pass me not by, pass me by not, or how do you say? Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Now, this, this, these are the kind of points where I, want, I try to be mean, I try to be myself. Right? So pray for me right, that I do this very well, that I don't scare you away. Amen. Amen. So I'm praying for myself too as I'm speaking. <sighs> yeah, let's, you know, the, what do you call this? The hacks you breathe. Or as this comes one to ten, right? <laughs> you get used to these guys. Now, if the Bible tells us that God is with you and God is in you, and it said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So where does that thinking come from that God is passing by and should not pass you by? Where is it coming from? Where is it going? When his habitation is in you? No, let's think about it. And I've been in churches where the entire congregation will sing the song with passion. And I'm thinking, guys, who, who, who gave you that song? And there are more. I remember I lovingly, well, maybe not, it was in love, but I was passionate. I corrected some guys singing the song. I, I was visiting a prison and I was preaching. And the guy who was leading, I think he had some pride issues somewhere. And um, he led them in this song. And, and uh, when I was coming to preach, maybe I was not very diplomatic the way I said it. Uh, I said, you know, I said, you know, when we sing this song, blah, blah, blah. But they say, what, what does the Bible say about it? So after my ministry, she came to attack me. And then I was still, I, I, was, I still had a problem with, you know, trying not to offend people. But God blessing me, comes to attack me again this time around. I asked him, let's just start a Bible study. We may have to start a five-hour Bible study then. And I get to me, why am I calling this out? What we do understand is that when we are in Christian settings, when we are in spiritual settings, the songs we sing go a long way to affect how we act or think spiritually. How we do things spiritually. So there are songs that tell you that um, when we all get to heaven, what the day of joy it will be, shall be. Friend, I'm not interested in going to heaven right now. See, the, the story of heaven is even something else we come to because the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new earth. So some people think they will, they will cut up, they will cut up, they will go to heaven. No, we are coming back here with Jesus to rule. Okay. Um, environmental activists, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? <coughs> Security. Um, I need, I need, I need, I need um, protection, body, what do you call them? Bodyguards and uh, protection people. Uh, so what do you call them? I need protection people here because I'm about to say something that might put me in trouble. Get ready. Now, listen to this. I, I said, I am an advocate for us to be responsible 
in how we steward the, the natural resources that, and things that God has given to us. <clears throat> Let me make that clear. I'm, a steward, I'm, a, I'm an advocate that we don't, drop, don't uh, drop plastics in the sea. I'm an advocate that we don't release waste into the sea. Because God created us to be stewards of the things he has created, not a destroyer of them. Right. So I am an advocate of recycling. I'm an advocate of not wasting things. Because if you remember the time after Jesus had fed the 5,000, he said they should gather the remnants and nothing should be wasted. Right. So I'm an advocate of good stewardship. But for you to think human activity will melt the earth, you are not saying correctly. The Bible tells in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 that uh, God is upholding all things by the word of his power, his powerful word. So the only thing that can make the world to crash and be destroyed is if the word of God can ever fail. Amen. Don't forget, I'm a strong advocate for good stewardship. You know, when people are cutting down trees and they're not replacing them, what sense is in that? So, you know, all the hazard that it brings and stuff like that. You know, what are we living for the coming generation? In those, so I think big. I'm a, I have a mindset of, of how of be, I have a mindset of building nations, sustainability. But to tell you one truth, no matter how things are messed up, human activity cannot melt the heart and destroy the earth. Because the word of God tells us that Jesus is coming and there will be a new heaven and new earth. Right? Also, that is just to say, that is to tell you that you should continue and train yourself to be good stewards of the natural resources that God has given to us. Amen. Amen. So, how is the riots going on out there? Right? We can get, call the police if, um, if you hear any, if there are any issues going on there. Fantastic. So, songs matter a lot. The songs we sing matter a lot. So, we have to be very careful of, those two, of, um, of the kind of songs we allow, we sing, we meditate on. Songs are powerful, they shape how you relate with God. So secular songs, I want to quickly touch on that before I go on to other things stuff. So secular songs, right? I think I'm, I don't know whether I mentioned it. One of the one of the pop star is that pop star what they call them that released a song recently, uh, the female one there, uh, sang songs and the lyrics were more in um, more along the lines of um, women seeing themselves as um, commercial sex, sex workers. Now this song was not produced for commercial sex workers it was produced for the consumption of the masses and thousands even millions of christians girls are singing the song and they've embraced it as their identity i know that in the church most of the time we don't do some kind of um step-by-step -step thinking we don't process information we don't process things you know, pastors come, they dump stuff on us, and then we shout for joy. We talk about ecclesia, you know, the church is ecclesia, you know, the move of God and stuff like that. And our life is good, those things are good. I'm going to run some courses to teach people in those things. But when it comes to us fellowshiping together, we got to face the real stuff of life. Because all those rema and those kind of things are not the things that shape us into disciples, sound disciples of God. Amen. So we need to have knowledge about theology and stuff like that, but we need to always also learn to focus on the real stuff of life, which is becoming a disciple, follower of Christ, you know, experiencing life transforming life transformation in our lives. 
Amen. So the songs we sing, the secular songs that you are singing, like, where was I speaking recently? I said, you know, if you can write down the lyrics and imagine Jesus sitting next to you, will you sing those songs to Jesus? Now, if you even write down the lyrics of those songs and look at what the Word of God says about you, don't you think it's a spiritual crime for you to call yourself or identify with an enemy of God, with the enemy of God? The devil is for sexual immorality. The devil is for all kinds of stuff. And some of you call yourself an horrible name that starts with B and ends with H. And you call, use it as slangs. You know what that is? You know when you invented that song, that, that, that name? And all kind of stuff that we believers say about ourselves, but we don't realize that this is producing death in our lives. We are, foc we are so much focused on our actions, but we are forgotten that the actions are product of something. And this is one of the places I'm going this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. So songs matter a lot. Don't forget because songs have melody. Okay, let's do, it. let's do a kind of assessment. Can some of you still remember some songs that you were taught when you were five years old? If you're 20 or you're 30 now, current, uh, you know, something happened during the week. My wife mentioned the line of a song and I sang the entire song. <laughs> she said, Tony, you're still singing. I said, I said, I said, yeah, I sang the entire song. I mean, this is a song. song it's not a sinful song. It's not a bad lyrics kind of stuff. But I was saying, I said to myself, I said, I used to, we joke about it. I said, you know, we should go and have some conversation with our parents because when we're supposed to be learning about stocks, about investment, we're singing all this kind of song <laughs> and watching TV. I get it. Probably will have made some very good um, um, money now, stuff like that. I probably don't have to be in nine to five. I get it. But I sang the entire song. I get it. So songs are powerful to find their way into your heart. Melody. Melody is a powerful, good melody is a powerful channel to convey words into your heart. And when you sing a song and it's melodious, you realize that it programs your brain to think that way. This is a piece of practice. Practical Christianity is not theology. So you have to be very cautious of the songs you sing. Have you had some horrible songs and then you realize that half an hour later, one hour later, they're still running in your mind and you're not struggling not to sing it? Have you, okay, there's this guy, one of these horrible guys in the, in the, in the States uh, who sang a very, very dirty song, sometime like that. And when I was in secondary school, we used to sing the songs. And one morning I woke up and um, the song was running my mind. I was like, seriously? No, no, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I was like, and the song will not stop running my mind. So I have to go and look for a replacement to silence it. Friends, songs, music is powerful, but very, very careful. Have you noticed that a lot, I mean, a lot of music have been released today, right? And if anyone wants to get you to think like they think, it's either they put it to you in imagery form, scenario form, in the form of movies or music so that they can get it in your, to your mind. So I kind of emphasize that, but please take your time and think about that finally before i move on to other stuff here you know i want to talk, also talk about the death that your parents may have spoken into your life now the thing is is you can't condemn your parents you know they, they give the best that they have and some of people like i was discussing with them um, and our family members over the over this weekend you know um some of our parents are going through at that time they were going through a kind of abuse they were having some struggles and they're kind of taking it out on us 
and but what we see is somebody who hates us, somebody who is unkind to us and stuff like that. Well, sad it's sad to say that many of those parents of our parents back then do not know the consequence of what they were doing. And some of them don't even know now. I don't think they can know except the Holy Ghost opened their eyes to see. That's even if they want to even learn. Yeah, but what about the things that your parents have spoken into your life? Should you continue to allow them to rule your life? I want us to know that you can change stuff. You can change stuff. You can change your life. Then the negative words that have defined you from childhood can be replaced. Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, Every word that rises up against you in judgment shall you condemn. Is that how it says it? Isaiah 54 17. If anyone want to get that before me, you can read for me, please. Isaiah 54. Where am I going? Got it. Um, Isaiah 54, 17. Now it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. It's interesting, the Bible puts weapon and words together in one verse. You know, it may not even actually be in that context, but I can tell you that words can be used as a weapon against you. Right, words can be used as a weapon against you. Sometimes when somebody wants you to feel bad and miserable, they come in and pour all manner of poison on you because they want to produce a certain emotion inside of you and they want to see you miserable. Have you seen how in some movies, some people will actually intentionally speak bad words into people's lives because they want them to feel certain pain? Words can be a weapon. But the Bible tells us here, yeah, it said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So the words that have been spoken into your life, the words that have been defining your life, you're not good enough, you dull, you are brilliant, you stupid, you this, you that, you can condemn them. You can declare them unfit for use. You can declare them inappropriate to function in your life any longer. And how you do that is by speaking the word of life. We don't overcome the word of death by, by mental techniques. You know, I, I've been with um, some professionals. They say to you that, you know, you just have to learn to cope with it. I don't want to cope with death. I want life to rule in my life, the life of God. So maybe that, that's why sometimes it looks like um, I'm not serious. Why? Because I trivialize what the enemy has spoken into my life. I will not I entertain him. I will not take him too serious. I will not take him serious. And I will take my father very seriously and his words very seriously. Amen. Amen. So every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. It's interesting. People will think God will condemn those God will condemn those things for them. Like, ah, God, do this. God do that. You are the one who has to use the authority you have in Christ Jesus to destroy some things in your life. Okay, the question is this. For all those years you've been praying about God do this, God do this, God change it, what has changed? If nothing has changed, why don't you do things differently? And this time around, I'm telling you the right thing to do. And I'm not just the one telling you, it's what the Bible says. It says, you shall condemn them. It didn't say, I will condemn you, shall condemn. It gives you responsibility to you. So if you don't condemn them, they stay there. So how you condemn them 
is by finding what those problems are, the weapons, the seeds the enemy has planted in your life, not not in your life through other people, which you have accepted, verbalized, and acting on. And find the word of God that addresses them and you start speaking those stuff into your life. It's a word and word battle. Word against word. And then the Bible tells us that faith without action is dead. So if you believe, if you if you claim you want to start believing the word of God in your life, then you have to start acting in line with it. So this may be a negative kind of ex- ex- extreme kind of um, situation, but it's quite common. So if you know that you're given to sexual immorality in any form and um, experiences or things of or movies or company associations has done that to you and you don't want it anymore because you've seen yourself that way. You know, people say things like they are this. You know, people who have struggled with same-sex attraction will call themselves gay. They call themselves that name because they have struggled with that. If you want to see something different in your life, you got to... You know, when people... Oh, Jesus, Lord. You know, there's a, there's a battle now about a gay conversion. And I said, you know, I was thinking one day, somebody comes to me and says to them, what do you think about gay conversion? I'll tell them there's no such thing as gay conversion. It should not exist in the first place. <laughs> Pastor, you don't like this. There should be no such thing as gay conversion. If God created you a male and you were acting or believing to be the opposite sex, you know, there's no such thing as converting back to a male. No, you just, all you, all you are simply doing is embracing your true identity. You are not converting. There should be no such thing as, in my opinion, there should be no such thing as gay conversion. What's that? Because you can be, you can be sound, you can be intelligent, you can be wise and think you're a fool. And then when you want to stop being a fool, when, when you want to stop being a fool, start acting, stop acting like a fool, what do you need to do? Embrace your original identity, which is already inside of you. That's my take on gay conversions. We can, we can start on, on that right. If it is on that right, please remember to call the police. Right. So talking about what you've been, what you believe. What are you saying to yourself? What has people spoken to you? So you have to choose to believe the word of God. So people tend to, because of their experience, because of what has happened to them, they begin to call themselves that name. People who have a problem with alcohol, they say things like, I have... Um, I'm a drunk. They have this. They have that. Really? No, no. The fact that you have a problem with something does not say you should make it your identity. The enemy can produce emotions in you to make you feel that way. I think we are living on double standard when it comes to how we talk about emotions here in this world. Because people will tell you and the media will tell you that you are your emotions. You know, your emotions are real. You should realize, you know, you should act on it. You should not suppress. You should not do this. And I, I, I would not be able to cover that in detail, but just focus on, let's focus on where I'm going right now. I'm talking about words. Now, the thing is, I didn't ask. I said, so if a person feels like committing murder and the feeling is real to, to them, I mean, they feel like killing, you know, killing the person speaking to them, maybe the, the, the therapy speaking to them. So the therapist may have been told, telling them to embrace a negative emotional identity. And when it comes to the one that could actually harm the therapist, he said, no, you don't do that. We need to help you to do that. 
Something is not right with these standards. Emotions are not an evidence of the truth. You can be angry about things, but you know it has not worked too. Okay, if this uh, rub you the wrong way, so you just need to turn, right? So, you know, <laughs> if you wrong in the wrong way, just turn. So as it rubs you, 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 are, you, are, you are aligned. Amen. It has not worked. If we want to see change in our lives in this day, in this time, in this end time, we have to start learning to face the truth. So still on the imposed identity that people have, you know, people, identity people have imposed on us, what people have said about us, have we believed and we say to ourselves. You know, before I started talking about the conversion thing, we have to go find out what the word of God says. And regardless of how you feel, you have to choose to believe what the word of God says. And you say what it says, and you will see what it says. So the question is, what do you want to see in your life? Now, let me tell you something. It's not going to be easy. I mean, the emotions sometimes that are stirred up in me that literally they just kind of run me all day. So I used to have a problem with anxiety. And sometimes it kind of triggers and then stuff like that. So there's this guy that I led to Christ. So it was in my house on a particular weekend. And all through that day, the feeling of anxiety was, I mean, was resting with me. I was ministering to the guy. He was so blessed. He was spiritual. And I was telling the following day or two days later, I, did not, I was struggling with anxiety on Saturday. He said, you're kidding me. And he couldn't pick it in my voice. He couldn't. But that's what I was feeling. But I, I, I refused to yield to it. And it was all day. It was bad. All day. Anxiety for nothing, but because it was an it was an it was a habit when I was growing up, a lot of issues went up and 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 put in the house with my father and stuff like that. So it was kind of an emotional habit. Some of I I might not be using the exact words based on um, how from all these professional people you know um, defines it, but you can form habit of negative emotions, which is if you indulge them for too long and you're used to indulge it, then it becomes a habit and they reoccur even when there's no trigger in a sense from personal experience. I get to me. So I know that anxiety tried to do that with me. And I was like, you know, that day I was not going to give in. I just went about doing everything I was doing. But it was just a lot of resistance. Uh, it was going to hold me back from doing the things I was supposed to do. I get to me. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a fight. But we thank God. It says that um, we are more than conqueror through Christ who loved us. So we have victory already. So there's victory in place already for you, even before you start to do this. So it's a fight and you got to stand there. The Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 4 verse 7 that you resist the devil, he will flee. Don't forget, if you've been dealing with and entertaining a kind of emotion for 20 years, you don't expect it to go in three days. Amen. So that's on what people have said about you, what has produced in your, in your life. You have to condemn this stuff. You have to write them down. You have to take your life seriously. Many of us take our business very seriously. We take our jobs very seriously, but we don't take our life very seriously. Your life is more precious than your job and the business you do. Because when you are in sound health, when you are in sound mental state, you can do, you can do many more businesses. So I'll say prioritize your life, your spiritual life over everything, every other area of your life. Many people, they have become gym addicts all in the name of fitness, but they know they are broken on the inside and they use the gym to fill the void in their heart. Are they physically fit? Do they have the six packs, the muscles? Yes. But what I do, I, I, I use the gym and I talk to people. 
and I see how many broken people are in the gym, but they look happy, they are pushing it, they are doing, they're sharing their photographs on Instagram. When I hear some people's stories, sometimes I'm so shocked and I just I still have to look nice and smile. I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, no, you don't look like it. I mean, their life, I mean, deep inside, they are a mess, but they feel the void and stuff with gym and stuff like that. In the eyes of the world, they are healthy, they are doing well, fantastic. I wish I could be like that. Seriously, be very careful what you pray for. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, so let me see. I think I've covered some stuff on that. So, yeah, a few things that came to my heart that I said I should share with you guys. Um, so I've, I've talked about feelings and I said, you know, you should, you should not speak and person or I should not speak out or personalize your negative feelings. So if you feel like doing something silly or you feel in a certain way, don't personalize it and don't make it your identity. Right? Don't make it your identity. You know, you should learn to speak what you want to see and not what you feel what people say to you. Amen. Because you can have what you say. So as I bring this to a close, you know, I was talking about the dam, the reservoir of... Um, where the words we speak come from or even our actions you know i thank god for his work in my life how he's helping me develop me training me and um, i'm the kind of person that i like to see how every every bit and pieces fit together and how things work don't break stuff for me and one of the reasons why it's so difficult sometimes for me when i'm putting my salmon note together is how is that i'm trying to connect every dot don't don't just move from um, the Mount Sinai to Habis or no, no, no. Tell me how Jesus went to, I mean, tell, tell me, tell, just show, show me how does everything connect and don't, you don't need to rush me. We can take it. And that's just an example. There was no, no such journey. I'm just, I just pick two things where I random, right? I uh, get to me. So Mount Sinai is the, where this guy received the 10, 10 commandments, right? So man, there's a lot of stuff. You know, that's, I'll just pick two things. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is that don't pick something don't start from the top, and then the next thing I hear is the bottom. So what happened in between? Right, so that's my kind of Christian life, and that helps me, right? Amen. So even if you don't hear some kind of ecclesia and some kind of thing from me, it's because my assignment is very different. God has called me to build people, real people, original people, hmm? not fake. You know what I'm talking about? So let's be very real. Get it just good. Right, so I'm talking about the reservoir. So now Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says that. Um, let's go there. Luke 6 45. Matthew, Mac, Luke. Right. The Bible says, I'm reading the New King James Version. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The Bible says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. I can see people receiving revelations right there. So here the Bible talks about um, the good man, the evil man. What do they speak? Out of the abundance of their heart. So most of the time people look at um, the actions, but they fail to remember or to think about where those things are coming from. 
you know, I'm training myself not to listen, not to hear only what people say to me. Or is it, I say, I don't know, there's a, there's, a, there's a difference between listening and hearing, right? Uh, okay, well, let, let's put it this way. I'm training myself not to go by what people say, but to hear what they are saying or listening to where they are coming from. Because we, you can easily be deceived if you are only going by what, you, what people are saying. But you must be able to understand the context and where they are coming from. I guess, man, and you can't do that without listening or without having genuine concern and care for people. Amen. So if you can take your time to carefully listen to people, then you can tell what their heart looks like. And if you take your time to carefully listen to yourself or observe your actions sometimes, you can tell what is in your heart. So if what you are producing in your life are not the best, then you want to check what is stored in your heart. And when I say what is stored in your heart, I'm talking about your belief system, your way of thinking, how you see things. Because your belief system is, don't forget, look at our word, belief system, which means uh, a system of what you believe. Because when you have a lot of negative input come together, dwelling in your heart, right, without even speaking them, you act them out. But don't forget that when we come to speaking, there are kind of two dimensions of um, speaking. There's, a, there's some self-talk and what to actually speak out. So a lot of us, we do, some, we do a lot of self-talk and those self-talks are the things that reinforce those negative beliefs in our heart. So the next question is, what are you saying to yourself quietly? They may look harmless, but they are so powerful because they drive your reaction to circumstances and situations in life. So don't only think or focus on what you are saying, but maybe you want to take, one, you want to take a few steps back to say, you know what, what do I actually believe? What's my belief system? What have I been thinking about? Now, we should all train ourselves and discipline ourselves to be able to think about the source of the things we see, the source of, the, a source of our action. Where is it coming from? You know, one of my, one of my dear sister, she said, she didn't say, excuse me, sir. She said, Pastor, this boy is saying this, he's saying this. I said, no problem. Put him on the phone. Because I knew he must have gotten it from somewhere. Brother, two weeks ago you were not saying this. How come you're saying this now? And we started talking. And I'm like, wait, my friend said, my friend said, so in, in order to protect himself from the fear of failure, if he makes mistakes, then he started saying things like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. I was like, really? And then we had a conversation. Then he was the one who actually said, he said, wait, wait, wait. Actually, what I'm supposed to be saying is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I said, now you're talking. So we must learn to process our thoughts. Uh, maybe we want to begin to manage our interaction with um, all manner of junk on our favorite movie streaming device, um, apps. You know, most of the time when we watch a lot of movies, what happens is that somebody is doing the thinking for you. Somebody's programming your mind. 
and we're there laughing and smiling, but they are programming your thoughts. Amen. So guys, um, let me see if there's anything that I want to call out to you guys. So I said, what we see, what we say comes from the abundance of what is in our hearts, our belief system. And those belief systems, most of the time, they are reinforced by uh, a lot of self-talk, self-belief, self-meditation. When you're in your room, yeah, you're not good enough. That's how this person did it. You know, somebody who's talking to you, sometimes the devil's speaking to you. He speaks to you quietly, and you're there one hour, two hours, you're soaking up. You're taking us the bitterness, the anger. Why did you do this to me? I've been there, so I know what I'm talking about. Why did you do this to me? Why did you do that? And when next you see the when next you see the person the devil has told you and reported you to and had had conference with you about. So when I say conference, it means over a certain number of days, constantly talking to you about this person, what they did, what they did not do well. Right. And next time you see the person, you feel like pointing the person in the face because you've meditated so long about them. So our reaction, I hope this is helping someone. Our reaction is driven by the content of our heart. Those quiet talk. You know, some of us do not realize that one of the ways we really one of the ways we can really build our our, our identity in Christ is those is by changing the content of our meditation. Those things we say to ourselves. Those things we say to ourselves, they are more powerful to a very much extent than even what we say. Because many of us can say things like, I am blessed, I am this, I am that. But after the service, it's like, ah, you are good for nothing. Why will you do this? That's how they did that. That's how they did that. That somebody did this. Somebody do that. Somebody did that. And then your mind is just messed up. Amen. So, guys, uh, I hope that helps. Um, you know, one of the examples I have here is I said, no man in his right mind. Okay, wait, wait, wait let's look at that. So the accumulation of junk or good stuff that are stored in our heart. Um, the sad news is that um, the resulting impact of this, of this, of this accumulation of junk, right, in our minds, most of the time, we cannot trace them to the individual input. You know, we've accumulated them so much formed a system in our mind that drives our behave and um, we just find that we just realize that we are acting weird but most of the time we cannot identify the individual component inputs that has come into our mind over the years so as i close what are you going to do the word of god says in the book of joshua chapter 1 verse 8 you know uh, god said to joshua i said do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth, but meditate. Now, don't no, 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 no. Let's start. Let, let's break it down, right? I've realized that Christianity is a journey, right? I, the message I've preached for two weeks now, I could have done it in half an hour. But the question is, what do you get out of it? Good. So let's look at Joshua one eight. He said, "Do not let the book of the Lord depart from your mouth." Exactly, chapter six. Yeah, it's chapter eight. <laughs> Good, right, no worries. Right, so he said, do not let this book of the law, it's Joshua 1, 8. It was Siri that was talking or something there, don't worry. It's technology, we are, we are used to this. Thing. Now, he said, do not let the book of the law depart from your way, mouth. He didn't say eyes first or ears, but your mouth. Why? I believe God doesn't only speak. But start with your mouth. Because the word of God that you don't speak cannot do you much benefit. And he said, meditate on it day and night that you may be able to observe to do what is written in it and 
you can and you can make your by, thereby making your way prosperous. Don't allow the word of God to depart from your mouth. See, the thing is, is when you speak the word of God long enough, both loudly and quietly, right? It shapes and redefines your heart, how you see yourself. So if you fill your heart more with the word of God, what God says about you, you are good, you are a child of God, you are blessed, you are not cursed. You made it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a child of God that blesses me. I am blessed. Now, when you say these things to yourself long enough, both loudly and quietly, most especially quietly, and ensuring that what you say out loudly in public, you know, marries with what you say to yourself, all the self-talk. If you say them long enough, right, you'll be able to um, act on the word of God. Do what he wants, what you should do. Live the normal life. When I say normal life, I'm not talking about the secular normal life that is defined to you by Instagram, Facebook. See, see, for the believer, the supernatural is the norm for the believer. So when I use normal in, when I'm preaching, I'm talking about the supernatural. Now the Bible, God said to Joshua, which is applicable to us, if you speak it, if you think about it, if you meditate on it, speaking to yourself, he said you'll be able to do, observe, you'll be able to see clearly. Many of us, because we have read the Bible, we have read the verses, we have read them so many times, we think that we know it. Mm -hmm. There's a place of seeing it. So the day you see that you are a child of God, you see. Your level of boldness will really increase because you will not give in to things that manipulate or oppress. Amen. Praise the Lord. So meditate on the word of God. The Bible tells us, it said, um, is it 1 Timothy 3.16? It said, let the words of Christ dwell in you richly. With all the richness dwell in you do you know how it dwells in you by thinking on it talking about it having conversations about it be selective with the movies you watch right let the let your conversations the movies you watch the music you the music you sing the ones you listen to let all of them say the same thing and you realize that there's uni, there's a there's a unity in your spirit and your soul amen yeah so I got shut down here. Guys, thank you for joining us this morning. I hope that blesses you. Um, you know, Jesus said, he said, um, uh, if you, uh, whatever you say, you will have it. I'm trying to mark 11, 23. He said, if you, if you say to this mountain, be that removed and be that cast into the sea, if you say, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that those things you say will come into pass, you will have what you say. If you not doubt, you will have what you say. So the question is, what are you saying? What do you want to have? If the word of God says that if you believe what you're saying, you have what you say, then what do you want to have? Don't say what you don't want to have. Say what you want to have. Ensure you believe it. Don't give up early. Don't give up at all. Stay on that. The word of God is sure. The word of God will never fail. You work on yourself. Meditate on the word of God. Speak on the word of God until you are able to believe it. And then you will have what you say. God bless you guys. Uh, I look forward to connecting with you guys on Wednesday. My wife and I, as we go to, uh, we go have a catch with Tunde and Tulami online. And um, we, we believe that's also going to be a blessed um, session for you guys too. Right. Take care. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. Bye.